Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. If you're looking for a cable with a 100-year warranty, literally a cable that will outlast you and possibly some of your children, depending on your age, uh, look no further than sinusoid.com. Yeah, uh, and keep a lookout. This month, Black Friday, they're going to be doing some crazy stuff. They haven't told me what it is. I just know it's going to be crazy because they told me it would be crazy. So keep your eyes and your ears open to see what they're going to be pulling on Black Friday. Maybe they're going to have a uh, turkey leftover flavored guitar cable for all your turkey flavored guitar cable needs. Sinusoid, they make cables. And uh, cable accessories that taste like turkey and or mashed potatoes. (laughs) This episode is also brought to you by the Nocturne Brain. Go check them out at thenocturnebrain.com. They make all sorts of wonderful pedals and amplifiers. I recently did a demo of the Mystery Brain, which is basically like a a space echo in a box. It's got the space echo uh, preamp in there and then an extra switch that gives you a bit of a boost. It opens up the dynamic range of the preamp. And then you've got an a delay side of it that has a really wonderful sounding kind of like tape echo flirting with like a memory man sort of sound. There's like a deep like uh, modulation on it that can get really freaky or really, really subtle. It just sounds good. It's a powerful stage tool that gives you a lot of options live. I'm really impressed with the thing. I've been playing with it for a while and it's not going to leave my board for quite a while. I don't think unless I have specific needs otherwise. So go check them out. Check out our demo. Big thanks to the Nocturne brain. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, money, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing, breaking, smashing, <laughs> playing, fretting, stringing uh, podcast. Yeah. What are you going to do on the 200th episode, Steve? Are you going to fumble it or are you going to nail it? What's your plan? I never know. You never know? It's a surprise every time? I had this one nailed, and then I thought I could throw something in off the cuff, and it got all, all went up, sideways. Huh? Maybe at the 200th, we should get everyone to chant it with us. That could be that could be that fun, could be right? You think they'll all mess up the same way you mess up every week? I like, <laughs> sound like I'm being a super dick to you right I now. I feel like we have to do it a lot slower to get everybody to chant it. The guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing, podcast. Yeah, I think the real problem is I playing was uh not in the original no it, we didn't uh, add it in until much later like the 14th or 15th episode um, so uh so then i started like i had to remember like oh there's one more it's playing and now the problem is is playing is part of the integral like a ri- like set to me but after i hit playing i always think that i forgot one <laughs> all right well now's a part of the show where you ask hey ryan me, what's new What's new? Uh, I got these little things on the tips of my fingers yeah, um, that I ordered off of Wish.com. Did you get those from Crocs? I did not get them from Crocs, but people are joking and saying that they are finger Crocs. They're those little rubber finger tip protector things that were going around on the internet a while back as like finger protectors for like your calluses if you're playing guitar a lot and you're like learning. And everyone made fun of them as they rightly should because these things are freaking ridiculous. They're like silicone thimbles. They look like I've got little shower caps on the ends of my fingers. Yeah, I was going to say, they make me think of like those uh, women's synchronized swimming uh, bathing suits from like the 50s. So these were only like a buck or two on Wish. So I was like, I'll get them and I'll make a video. Maybe I've got it up already. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to say that right off the bat, I think they suck. They really, really suck. I don't like them at all, and I think they're (laughs) stupid. (laughs) I tried to play guitar with them earlier today, and it's just like fumble city. They catch on the strings. They don't slide on the strings. You can't feel the string at all, which I guess is what they're for, so you don't feel the string like pushing through your finger, through the sensitive tips of your finger. So sensitive. Like It's just going to impede your playing no matter what. I think this is just a dumb idea. I bet these were manufactured for a completely different purpose, like people who need to thumb through books all day. 
right. like paper. They pro- they pro- that's actually probably exactly what they were. But uh, they got like for. a they got a warehouse full of them. Like, let's see if we can sell these to guitarists. They'll spend money on anything. <laughs> but yeah, I I'm looking forward to doing the video just to make fun of them. But th- there's no practical use for these things. They're just garbage. They're not even comfortable. They're too tight on my big banana fingers. <laughs> Do they have different off. sizes or was that no, it? No, it's one size fit all. Uh, ridiculous. All right. Should we jump into the, our normal content? We've yeah, got nothing man. else to say, let's, right? Uh, you got nothing it. new? I got nothing new. Just the same old life, huh, Steve? Yep. Just born old regular Steve's life. Let's jump into an ad. Just terrible. <laughs> Sorry. I'm being hard on you this week. I don't know why. Oh, I wasn't even paying attention. Did you say something? <laughs> This was sent to us by Tom McCann. It was posted on our Facebook group. It's a GFS body that's been relicked by Real Life Relics on Reverb.com. These are pretty cool looking bodies. They're like a pink paisley. How do you know it's from GFS? Uh, Go to GFS and you can find it there. Like in their clearance body section. I think they're like $68. Okay. I almost said $69, but I didn't want to deal with the jokes. But anyways, it looks very attractive in the reverb picture. It's like a, uh, a like I said, a pink paisley uh-huh. with a uh, pink spray around the edge, and then what looks like a parchment pit guard on there with a nice looking bridge and an aged like output jack sort of deal for two hundred and twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents plus twenty dollars shipping. But like we said, they sell these bodies. In new condition on Reverb, I mean on GFS, guitarfetish.com, for 68 something dollars. Mm-hmm. I've seen those on there. I get the GFS emails all the time for, you know, when they have sales and whatnot. Do you think it's worth paying? What's the upcharge on this? Um, $150? Somewhere like around there. Is it worth a $150 upcharge to have someone relic this and then throw. I'll say fifty dollars of hardware at it. Not so it's a hundred dollar I mean, upcharge. I don't know if I'm you know just missing something, but I feel like the relic job isn't. I'm not gonna say it's a bad relic job if that's your deal, but um, I feel like it is underwhelming. Yeah, I mean it's a it's kind of tasteful. It's just a little bit of chips and a little bit of roughness around the edges, from what I can tell from the pictures. But yeah, it's not like, wow, that looks really good. Like it's not like they went and like sprayed it with nitro and let it get you know like those uh, those freezer cracks and and whatnot. In right, it, you know, right. It just looks like someone attacked it with you know a set of keys, or yeah, something like yeah, that, a chain or something. Yeah, a, ch- a chain. They really, they like drug this behind their bike for a hot minute. I was wondering how you know aside from like looking at the the thing going, oh, this looks just like the one off GFS. Uh, but in the listing, it does say that this is a Polonia body, and Polonia yeah, that's is their jam. Uh, that's G- GFS for sure. No, if you go to gfs.com, you can find this body exactly. Uh, Tom, the guy who sent us the ad, actually owns the Telecaster version of this body. Mm. So that's one of the reasons he spotted this. He's like, hey, I, I know that. Uh, and leading to that, one of the reasons why I question the value of this versus getting a relic body from say like MJT or something like that. Sure. Is that GFS bodies have a reputation of, you know, they're, they're very affordable yeah. $68 or whatever it is, but they have a reputation of not being routed quite to spec. And right. You might like, have to make a very slight adjustment. Yeah. Like uh, Tom said that with his Telecaster body, there was like a business card size gap in between his, right. his neck right. and the body. And then I've heard of neck routes actually being too small on them or things being just a little too crooked so that they don't take pick guards in the right way. You can get away with a neck route being a little too small. Sure. As long as it's square. Yeah. But But, uh, uh, sometimes things aren't perfectly square. And it's like if you're buying a a really low cost body or neck off of a site like this, you just have to be aware that you have to have a certain amount of ability and wherewithal to make the adjustments that need to happen to make it compatible with other parts so is it worth paying an upcharge on a body like this when you no. don't know what it's going to be like just to get a relic body that looks cool i mean let's be honest it looks cool right 
Meh. You don't like it? I think it looks okay. It doesn't. I could see you we- like wearing a Paisley guitar for some reason. I'm just saying, like, so this relic job. Maybe I'm spoiled. I might be spoiled. That red Telecaster I have has a little bit of a relic job on it. It's natural always been relic. Like that not intentional. Hashtag re- natural relic. Hashtag natural relic. Yeah. Hashtag red Telecaster. Hashtag uh, Steve Steve Rousing into guitar. <laughs> um. That laugh sucked that I just did just now. Yeah, I heard it while I was doing it. I was like, why am I laughing like that? Yeah, it wasn't even that good of a joke. <laughs> What's wrong with I'm you? I'm like a pervert. <laughs> um, All my laughs suck. Let's be honest. Maybe it's just you. It is. That's what I'm saying. It's just me. All right. Um, yeah, I, I just, it's not relic like intentionally, but there's parts where it's, I don't know if the finish was bad, but it's like chipped off around here and there. Sure, sure. It's always been like that. Um, I, the pink paisley thing is whatever. Like, I guess it looks cool. Um, the only reason I couldn't have a pink paisley guitar like it match your skin tone. Exactly, it'd be impossible to edit video around. We, I'd be pink. The guitar would be pink. We'd all just be super pink. Maybe that could be your shtick. Maybe that's the audience, the niche you need to fall into. I have a pretty tough skin most of the time. Like, we get like cruel comments multiple times a day on YouTube videos and I'm like entertained by most of them. But one time a guy was like, Oh, you're really pink. Your skin is real pink. And then I felt self-conscious about my video editing. It's like, oh, I'm not color correcting. Right. Oh my and gosh. Then, and then I got, so self- it wasn't even actually about your skin. It and was about I, your, your edits. No, once I started looking, I was like, man, my skin is really pink. And then I felt a little self-conscious about it, but mostly just because like, oh man, this makes my editing harder. <laughs> but recently I've been getting over it and I'm just like, yeah, my skin's pink. Deal with it. But I'm the only one who has to deal with it. I got pink skin guys. Well, and everybody who decides to watch your video. Yeah. They have to deal with it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's better for me to be just the natural color I am in the videos and let everything else look okay. It's better if the guitar and the pedals and the amps look okay. I can just be pink. That's my philosophy on it anyways. And do we have anything else to say about this? Like what, what do you think would be the fair price for a relic job on a GFS body like this? $68. $68? You think it's a you think it's a personal mod and that people shouldn't be charging enough charge for I mean, for if it? you want to try to like use GFS as your your brand's personal farm for whatever, for I, your mean, relic I, farm? I mean, that's your own deal, I guess. But like, I mean, let's be honest, uh it's problematic cuz everyone knows what you're doing. Too. Here here's what I want. I want a video where this person has this guitar, like gets receives this body, sits it out and makes a time lapse showing how much time they spent doing this. Because at $229, you're literally telling me that like, I don't know, if you spent an hour doing this, that your skill and labor is worth $160. It's funny to me, like people who do relic jobs are super secretive about their techniques. I tried to talk to one and person once and I was like, Hey, what do you, how did you do that? How did you do that thing? And he was like, Oh, this and I had, I took like a class and this and that. And I'm not going to tell you. It's like, dude, come on. You probably like glued a piece of gravel to a popsicle stick and just tapped at the guitar for a while. Like, come on, dude, relax. Like if you ask a guitar builder, like, Hey, how do you set a neck? We'll be like, Oh, well, here's how you set a neck. You ask a relic person. Oh, how'd you get dings on the corner of the guitar and they'll like get all clammed up and be like, Oh, I can't really reveal trade you know, secrets. I saw a, uh, I actually saw a really cool, a really cool, uh, relic job on the back. It was just a backside, um, of a Gibson Les Paul. Uh, huh. uh, I thought it looked pretty cool. Was it like uh, a, like a hole cut in it for you, a place where you put your wallet and your keys? No. Because that would be pretty cool. Uh, basically, the guy said that he forgot to take his pocket, his like pocket knife out of his pocket, <laughs> and it, like wore like a one inch hole like straight in the finish after like an hour long set. Whoa! You uh, no, there's no way he didn't feel that. Well, like I guess he was like feel like he was feeling it, but he didn't know that it was like doing damage. Huh. Um. And so, I mean, he knew what it was, but it's like like that's that classic like belt buckle rash and whatever deal yeah. like. Like, I think there's ways you can 
maybe like fake that, but like, that's, that's what I'm saying with this. Like, okay. Like realistically, okay. You bought it for 68 bucks. If you were selling it for like a hundred bucks, 125 bucks, I'm like, eh, okay, sure. Why not? But two thirty, man, you better be doing something magical, and I'm just not seeing it. I think if there was some sort of mention or guarantee that, like, hey, this is a GFS body, not only did I relic it, I also fitted it with a neck and made sure everything lined up, and this body is certified, ready to go. Maybe yeah. more open to yeah. it, you know. Well, I wonder, like, if they're doing this, like, how many, uh, how many times do they need to, uh, like, return? these things to people because they receive it and it's like, Oh yeah, I put my strap yeah. neck on this and it didn't fit. It didn't work right. It was That's a good crooked. question. Cause that would be a huge bummer. If you buy a body and like your, Super Mexican, bummer. your Mexican neck doesn't fit into it. Right. Or like the bridge just doesn't quite fit in the route. Yeah. Quite right. Also, I look at this and like, there's some opportunity for a more creative, like take on this. Like you could take this guitar and do like a gold spray around the edge and do like a gold with pink paisley sort of burst. That would be cool. Or like overspray it with black and then relic away the like a thin layer of black so there's a little bit of pink paisley poking Ooh. through spots. Things like that. There's ways to get more creative with this I'm, than what this person did. I'm not did. particularly worried about creativity. Like I said, I just... It's I, all I, look I at, think about, Steve. I look at the pictures of this and I'm just like, this. somebody took a... I don't know. Somebody drug attached a two by four to this and drug it around their It definitely driveway. doesn't look like a natural relic. There's like, there's too much relicking around the full edge of the guitar. It was just, that's just and not natural. I feel like most of the relicking is around the full edge of the guitar. Yeah. There's nothing that's particular, like this is relicking through mismanagement, not relicking through trying to simulate play. Yeah. Yeah. So you know I, what there needs to be? I think that's a big part of it is it's like, you know, you see like people complain about the Fender road worn series because every single one of them was the same because they wore them out with yeah. like robots. But at least like the wear and tear that they put on those guitars, you could look at it and be like, yeah, I could see how somebody would wear this thing. I like this, this, you know how you wear out a guitar to look like this body. You just drop it a lot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's my idea, Steve. You know how they have robots to test like, car seats and there's like a like a robo butt that sits down on the seat like a thousand times a day and it simulates like years of use in like a week or like they have that robot at ikea that closes the same drawer over and over again all day long every day and they're like look the drawer still works and it's been going for five years you know what i'm talking about like mm -hmm. testing robots yes they need to do yeah. they need to build a robot that just sits there and plays guitar and like moves around like a, a simulated stage but does it over and over again all day long until you develop that nice natural relic. And maybe right. it's like wearing a shirt with like buttons on the sleeves or like a normal belt buckle and just kind of just develops a natural relic over time. But it happens in a week instead of happening, happening over decades, you know? Yeah. You know, Ryan, a robo, a robo relic. You know, I'm talking about hashtag robo relics. You know, Ryan, how sometimes there's robots and they're in disguise. Yeah, you're talking about Transformers. Um, I, I, the ones that I was thinking of were called GoBots. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, you this, want to give a guitar to a GoBot? This topic was sent in by Kane Logue. Uh, he says uh, he wants to know about alternatives to the stringed Ernie Ball volume pedal. Yeah, uh, just get an Ernie Ball volume pedal and cut the string and replace it with a zip tie. Moving on. Is that something that people do? I saw that once. Do you think the zip tie would would grip to the little uh, the spindle in there? Apparently, that the it worked, but it's. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't trust that. Honestly, I've personally never had a string break on an Ernie ball uh, on an Ernie ball VP before, but I have had other things go bad on it. Like I had one that like developed a squeak, and then like the toe position started to get scratchy. Weird, and then the heel position like wasn't all the way off. I think that the string slipped on the uh, the spindle or whatever, and so I just stopped using it. But I gotta say, when they're in perfect working condition, there's no other volume pedal I've encountered that feels quite like an Ernie Ball. Yeah, they have just this perfect like smooth feel that 
I just haven't encountered elsewhere. Have you? Are you still using your Morley volume? No, I ended up getting the Dunlop Mini Volume slash Expression. Oh, that's right, that's right. Which I actually really like. Uh, if you put pressure on it from like the side, like you're not directly on it, mm-hmm. then it'll feel like uh, it sticks a little bit. But if you're directly on it and you adjust the tension just right, you can get a really smooth, almost Ernie Ball sort of feel out right. of it, even though it's a mini pedal, by the way. But I've really enjoyed that pedal. Uh, I think it's way better than the uh, the Morley as far as like a tactile response I've been and thinking just about, size convenience too. I've been thinking about replacing my Morley just because of the size thing because I only have like 11 pedals on my pedal board right now. Mm-hmm. And of course, I need more. Yeah, you could fit an extra one up there. Um, so that's a thing I've been thinking about. Um, but DoD I, but just I actually, actually I've, been, I've been pretty happy with that Morley. It does have still. I never really uh, found a a, a a taper modification that I was happy with. So I just went with. Yeah. The, I just stayed with the stock modification or the stock uh, taper and kind of got used to it. The nice thing about uh, like the Dunlop Mini and others is that they don't require power either. Right. Where the Morley does require power to... Yeah, to, to light those LEDs because yeah. it's optical. But if... Seriously, though, optical is so, so good. It's such good technology. But if Morley modified the little keyhole in there that the, that the led light passes through mm-hmm. to be a smooth taper instead of this jumpy, stupid taper they have in there. Yeah, I don't, and then I don't they, get it. they made the pedal as small as the treadle that's on there. Cause it's got this big, massive piece of metal sticking yeah. out the side for no reason. That pedal is empty. Did you inside. ever open that thing? Yeah, up? it's yeah, empty there's inside. There. They could make that pedal a third, the size of what yeah. it is and still have tons of room inside. Um, but if they made it feel not even feel, but like be smaller and have an audio taper similar to an Ernie ball. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it all day, but it's just like kind of its own problematic. Do thing. you know what the, what the drive system is on the Dunlop mini? Um, it's hard to explain. It's like this tension bar that presses against. Um, it's not like a, it's not like, like a crybaby where there's a, like a, like a gear works going on. Right. But there's two um, pots that are connected by like a big, like plastic barrel in between them. And then there's a piece of plastic that has stiff tension against that. And there's no gears to it. It's just all friction. That is interesting. So it's like a really unique mechanical system in there, but then it's still connected to just pots, you know? Right. Because I because I think the I think it's the Dunlop Volume X. Um, is that the DVP one? I don't know. I don't remember. One of the Dunlop models I think is Chain Drive. Oh yeah. So it's it's like similar to like the Ernie Ball in principle, but instead of using a string, they have like a chain. Yeah. Like it's like a tiny version of a bike chain, <laughs> something like that. Um, I mean, any any physical part could break eventually. Yeah. The uh, I mean, if you're looking at more, way more, well, yeah, more expensive options. Uh, that the uh, I think it's Tapestry Audio makes one called the Bloomery. Yeah, and that's like a direct drive. The Bloomery is really popular with praise and worship yeah, types. That's uh, it's, it's got a, it's got a though, pretty small it? footprint. Isn't it like two hundred or something, something like, like that? that? It's crazy expensive. Um, cheaper than the. Uh, than the tuner modded Ernie Ball VP Junior. Yeah, but when you think about those, you're there's two. I spent a lot of time talking to uh, to Robin from to uh, Roman from Snowball Tone because he's the one who makes those. Yeah, I talked talked to him at Summer Nam, and he was like, "Yeah, people complain about the price, but it's like I have to buy both components, <laughs> like, and then I have to take my time, use my labor time to combine them." So it's like, it's going to be expensive, you know? It's like, he, he has to buy the tuner, and wait, he has to buy the pedal, wait, and and wait. before before uh, uh, TC started including a buffer in their new tuner pedals, he had to put his own buffer circuit in there wait. for the mod. So you're telling me that this guy was buying, like, an $80 volume pedal, 
and like I don't know, like an eighty dollar tuner pedal, and then he was taking like metal cutting tools and cutting holes in the volume pedal uh-huh. and dismantling his tuner pedal and putting it together. And somehow that's supposed to be worth an extra two hundred dollars. Is it an extra? Is that what you're telling is me, it Ryan? Not an extra two, Ryan Burke. How much are? How much do those go for? Like I don't. I thought they were like three sixty five. It's possible. Even if it is, that's worth the the effort. He does a really freaking clean job of those. Uh, it's tough to cut metal, Ryan. Have you ever tried to cut metal? Uh, yeah, I use my bare hands. And you cut it with your bare hands. Karate chopping, huh? Damn, dude. What can I say? Yeah, I, I get the price that he charges. I'm powered by whiskey. If, if if Ernie Ball or TC Electronic decided to do that in-house, they would be able to cut the cost dramatically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they'd be starting with the raw materials and making it the the like starting out that way. You yeah. know? Instead of cutting holes and combining two different products that have to be paid retail to to obtain like he's paying retail for those things to get the the components is crazy um are there any other big options out there right now i'm jhs claims they're still working on the seesaw yeah apparently they had to take it off their website because people because their dealers want to leave it leave them alone yeah yeah um the other one i wanted to talk about we talked about them before on the show is a uh, classic audio effects oh yeah the roller the, the roller wheels I've never um, tried one of those like while playing. I've always wondered how quickly I would adapt to them. A lot of people said that they take some time, but once you get used to it, it's just as natural as using a sure regular volume pedal. I think it's really all about taper. If the taper is is something that you can get used to, then it's going to be fine. Uh, if the taper is something that you struggle to get used to, then you're always going to struggle with it. Yeah. But I mean, I guess the downside is you probably have to pay a little more attention about where you're stepping because it, it's not, you know, with any with at least a full size or a mini size volume pedal, uh, the the uh, the fulcrum or lever or whatever is a lever. The lever sure is like the size of your foot. Yeah. But in the case of the classic audio rollers. It's it's a small smaller target, and you have to be more consci- conscientious. Yeah, I mean, with of a, where you're stepping with like a, a traditional style volume pedal, like you can kind of lay your weight against it, and you're still standing on two feet as you're using it. I always wonder with the the roller system if it's more difficult because you're you have to put all your weight on one foot, and you can't put any weight on the pedal really. Right. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. You know what kind of taper I just can't get into as far as like using for like my guitar rig? Logarithmic. No, the, the, the tapers they have at the zoo, like those big animals, just can't use those with my rig. It's too difficult. Thanks, Dad. Can't get used to it, you know? I am a dad, so I got to make dad jokes every now and then. It's, if I don't, I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, they're like farts. If you hold them in, you'll poison yourself. <laughs> I thought if you hold them in, they just turn into burps. No, come on. Who's who's making dad jokes now? Come on, Steve. All right, this next Jeez. ad was sent by Chris Carter, who we also fe- featured last episode. We're uh, ripping through the ads. We're going to run out of show pretty soon. This is uh, a Tokai super rare vintage set neck Tokai Love Rock Relic Condition TV Yellow. No joke. Relic Condition. Holy smokes. This thing's taking some hits. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Uh, he says, super rare vintage set next to Kai Love Rock model, Les Paul Jr. Relic Condition TV Yellow with all natural, honest playwear, 22 frets, uh, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, appears to be all original. Note, solid stable headstock repair, low action, straight neck, truss rod works. Not new, not mint, not perfect vintage <laughs> relic condition. Uh, so the the... The jury was kind of split on this on the Facebook group. $400, $35 shipping. People were saying that if it's a Japanese one, then it's a good one. If it's a Korean or Chinese one, then it's just worthless. And people were saying that it's probably not Japanese. So I don't know what worthless actually means because nothing is actually worthless. 
Sure. Uh, does worthless mean $100? Does it mean $200? Does it mean $50? Because to me, I think this thing looks like a lot of fun. I really like the look of it. I've always wanted a simple, like, LP Junior single P90 TV yellow. Yeah. Les Paul. And this thing checks all those boxes. I even like the headstock because it's a lawsuit era direct ripoff of the of the Gibson's role. But then it says Tokai instead of Gibson, which I think I actually prefer to say Gibson. And it's got a really nice, just beat up look to it. And I saw that net crack in the photos. And I was like, oh, no, that headstock is going to fall off any day now. But it's an already repaired headstock crack. So it's going to mm-hmm. last forever. I don't know. I really like the look of this. I probably would make a lowball offer on it if, if if I was actually interested. I'm just wondering what that lowball should be realistically for it. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, the serial number on this starts with a CH. It's CH1, blah, 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 which is where a lot of people say like, oh, well, the CH stands for China. Um, and apparently that's... Uh, sometimes that sort of stuff is true for serial numbers and sometimes it isn't. So... I don't know. Like just because there's, you know, a certain letter in a serial number doesn't always mean that that's where it's from. Right. And, and but this I'm is not one, an expert on this. This is one case where it's not really clear. Um, apparently, um, some of them um, will say, I guess the Japanese ones will often will say, MIJ on them or made in Japan. Korean ones will say made in Korea. Um, so there actually apparently is an issue um, with these things, these guitars even being counterfeited. Like apparently Tokai's are popular enough that, that interesting people can counterfeit them, uh, which is interesting. Like, um, well, we saw last episode that people are making three neck Ibanez is for- $290, so anything's possible. But uh, a lot of people are saying that their MICs start with uh, HC as well, or some, you know, HC or FC or different things uh, like that. But always that. a C. But yeah, so, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot about it. I would say, like, I know the particularly desirable Tokais or, you know, the older Japanese ones. I think because this is like a relic job, or at least they say it's a natural relic, uh, you want to think it's an older one, but that isn't necessarily true. You think it could be a fake relic? You think that's what they're saying? I don't think it could be a fake relic. I, I just think it could mean that somebody got it and they played it really hard. And you know, if it if you play something hard enough, I suppose to me, to me it doesn't look like a faked relic because parts of it are uglier than what a relic person right, would do. Right, right. Like, you've got this weird, like, water damage on, like, on the arm bit here, and this this neck crack is not the kind of neck crack that a relicer would do well, to I make mean, it look that, like, oh, it snaps. It I looks, don't think that's a part as a relic. No, but, like, other parts of it just don't look like, oh, someone in a garage with a file in it and a little right. tiny like hammer did this intentionally. It looks like actual play wear. And for $400, yeah, that might be more expensive than this guitar is worth, but that's not professional relic money. You know, I don't know. There's something alluring it about it to me. And I want to defend it for some reason. <laughs> I don't plan on buying it. But now, I now the feel one person, an emotional attachment. I, now to I it. just found one place that said that says that uh, the CH serial actually uh, could indicate um, Korea, which again, like you know, you're kind of in that in that space there where it's like the you know the the made in Japan is really the desirable what you know the sure. desirable collectible uh, instrument there, so. So if if this isn't a fake relic on this, the fact that it's so worn in says something to me about its playability. To sure. me, it says that someone played this for a long time and loved playing it. Right. 
which says something to I'm me. Not, I'm not saying it's a bad guitar. I'm saying no, of course I'm not. asking the question: but, Is this worth four hundred thirty-four dollars? Right, right. I feel like if I was going to be serious about buying this, I'd probably start by offering like two seventy-five. That's where my gut is right now. Okay, you would start at two seventy-five. So what are you thinking? Three fifty top, three twenty-five. 325 before shipping, so 350 out the door. Okay. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, that's am I, fair. Am I screwing myself on this guitar that I'm I don't think you're hypothetically gonna, I don't buying? Think you're get it. I'm not going to buy this guitar. I'm it's just on saying reverb still. Hypothetical situation. It's here. currently on reverb. You could you could get this. I know. I'm just not hey, going to. Hey, if I make an offer on it, will the podcast pay me back? <laughs> if you make content with it. How much content? Enough to make it worthwhile. You think you can earn that back in, in YouTube plays? No. <laughs> uh, that's like 290 Because I did that with the Epiphone SL, Steve. I'm just saying I made that $99 back in YouTube plays. I'm just saying. You only had to get 99,000 views. That's the bar, Steve. You're asking me to get 350,000 views. That's the bar. You got to hit the bar if you're going to play this game, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we on a topic now? Are we going to tackle a topic? Yeah, uh, this topic is a spinoff podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Who asked this? Was it Clifton? I don't know. I think it was Clifton. Yeah, asked us to talk about all the spinoff podcasts that came from our show. And what I got to say is, like, when you think of a TV show spinoff, like, what's an example? You're thinking of a show where the characters in it came from the original show. Like, Frasier's a spinoff of Cheers. Cheers. Like, there's other spinoffs out there. I just can't think uh, of them. You know, like, Deep Space Nine is kind of a spinoff of, of Star Trek Next Generation because you've got O'Brien, you got Worf in there. you got right. various characters making appearances. It's kind of a spinoff. It's, it happens in the same timeline. I don't think of any of the podcasts that kind of came out of our community are actual spinoffs. Not even the gear slum where they started out as 60 cycle slum. Because none of those people, they came from our group, but they didn't come from our show. You know what I mean? I mean, sure. But I don't think they're asking like, Oh, what's a spinoff? No, of course not. They're asking like, you know, of podcasts that we inspire. What I'm trying to, I, it may sound like I'm being, like exclusionary or like a gatekeeper, like being arrogant in a way. But what I'm actually you trying to shall w- not. Pass. What I'm actually trying to say is that these people have their own shows and started their own shows. Oh, it's actually and it has like they did it under their own like you know their own personal powers and strengths and feats of will. And is that, it was actually Michael Newman. He said, "How many podcasts will spin off from yours, and are you a spin off of something else?" We're not a spin off of anything. I thought we were spinoff of Six String Bliss. No, I didn't. We, I think I listened to like half of one of their episodes. Hey guys, sorry, sorry I said that if you're listening. They started. Uh, they had two new episodes back in the early summer, late spring. I like to think of this podcast as a spinoff of Judge John Hodgman. Well, that's that's actually more realistic because we were my brother, my my yeah, brother, my brother. And we me. were both listening to like entertainment comedy podcasts when we came up with the premise of this show and we kind of structured it after those podcasts instead of structuring it after gear podcasts that existed before us. Right. So in that sense, maybe certain podcasts have spun off of us in that way where they follow more of an entertainment lead, I guess. But I just don't think of like podcasts like the Clifton Worley show or the gear slum or even uh, the practical guitarist, which is David Hill and, and Jim Woodward. Right. There's a brand new one. You guys should go check that out. Um, I don't think of them as spinoffs, even though those people came out of like our online community. Maybe they're spinoffs in the way where like they heard us, you know, a couple of chuckleheads sitting around goofing off. Right. And like, Hey, if they can do it, so can we. You know, you know what I've been really enjoying. I don't know if you've checked them out yet. Is uh, the Tone Jerks? The Tone Jerks? Yeah, it's a uh, Brian Gower's podcast, uh, which it has more of like a local. It's got more of a local flavor, and he's coming from a from a player uh, huh. perspective. But I've actually uh, I've listened they, to that. They've one. only put out I think two episodes. If their third one's out, uh, I haven't listened to it at the time of this recording. 
but they might have a third one out. But they, uh, so his first episode was just him and uh, Kyle, you know, the two, both in the band playing without a pilot, right? Um, uh, just kind of talking about what their show's going to be about, and then and their gear. And then uh, the second episode, they uh, interview. It's actually funny because they interview a guy named uh, BJ Jesbera or Jesbera, um, who played at the Park Gallery. Yeah, yeah. He did one of the shows I put on there. Cool. Uh, so that was funny, uh, in a small world sort of way. So yeah, I've been listening to that show. I've, I've been enjoying it. What are some, what are like other podcasts that are in our community? But um, I mean, there, there's Tone Mob, Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. They're not. I don't uh, know that we exist. This American Life. Shut up. Serial. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Serial. Yeah, you know, when they heard our show, the folks over at Serial were like, "You know what? We could do this. Let's start a, our own podcast." I think It'll my so favorite easy. sixty cycle hum spinoff podcast, uh, Song Exploder. <laughs> You're being ridiculous, Steve. The Scotch got in you. You're all full of Scotch. Um, no, so, so realistically, I, I guess, I think you named off all the ones that people might think of as being tangentially related to us. Sure. Uh, I mean, like we did, we started a show and then people who listened to our show started their own podcasts. And I, that's, it makes me proud every time one of our listeners starts their own show. I, I think that's really exciting. Do you listen to all of the spinoff shows? I try to, I don't listen to them all every quote, week. Quote spinoff shows. I don't have I don't have time to listen to very many. There's podcasts. too many of them. There's so many of them. Stop. And then uh, there's like I said, there's Tone Mob, and then I think Ruffian show spun off of that. Isn't that how it worked? Like uh, I Blake, don't know. Blake interviewed uh, is Daniel right? Mm-hmm. Blake interviewed Daniel, and then Daniel's like, I'm going to start a podcast. This is, is that like the story. Fun. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know what show I really like though? He hasn't put anything out in a while. Is um. The Common Ground podcast. I don't know if I'm familiar uh, with Which that was uh, Josh Marmon's podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But that was more of him just kind of interviewing people. Yeah. Like interviewing and like interviewing people that he knew. And, and so it was, wasn't really gear oriented, but it was someone from our community. Um, I think, God, this is, I've been, I've been talking about myself a lot at work lately. I believe you. Um, <laughs> and because I think I'm really good at my job. Of course. Uh, and we're in like a, a, a bit of a crisis mode. Not and a, you're just sweeping it, and sweeping I'm, in to save the well, day. Well, that's what I do. Day saver Steve over here. Um, and uh, so, so anyway, people have been like, oh, what would you do about this? And what would you do about that? And I'm like, well, this is what I would do. And I'm the best. I imagine you wearing a leather jacket, dude. I wish at some, work. There are, but it's like a leather lab coat. There are days where I wish I had. Oh, my, oh my gosh, a white leather lab coat yeah. would be the best. And you got like biker boots on, and your hair slicked back. Yes, I've never slicked back my hair ever. I'm trying to imagine what it would look like. Um, I mean, I've done it like at home in the mirror. It looks like garbage. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, Maybe we should slick. I mean, this is after us recording it, but pre pre airing. Maybe we should slick our hair back for the two hundredth episode. Dude, the two hundredth episode is on a Saturday. You'll be lucky if I like look at myself in the mirror before <laughs> I get there. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so do you think we'll have any more shows spin off of us? Do you think there's room for that? I don't know. I I mean, I think so. I think the thing that we brought to the table in the gear community wasn't so much, I mean, there wasn't a, there's an approach and there's, you know, the niche is, Oh, we're talking about used gear and whatever. But I think really the thing that it was, is we did like a ton of episodes. Yeah. And eventually I think there were people who were like these two idiots, they're not going away. <laughs> they no, they will not leave us alone. <laughs> If these two schmucks can get enough traction to start their own Facebook group, then maybe I could do this too. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I definitely think that's what it is. I think people. I think we give people confidence 
because we come across as like, this is casual and we don't have to work too hard at this. And we honestly don't. The things that involve a lot of work for me anyways are like extra things I've come up with to do right. surrounding the show as far as like doing demo work and whatnot. Like doing the podcast itself is, is really simple and it's been pretty neat. Like as we get older, <coughs> like older men and dads and husbands listen to more like it's, it's listen to more Jan Banamassa. It's, it's harder and harder to like spend time like socializing. And sure. it's, yeah, I got us. This is going to get mushy. Maybe we need to have like a little mushy moment leading up to the 200th episode. Gross. It's been, it's been really nice for me to have like a dude hangout time like every other week when oh, we podcast. Thanks. I know. Yeah. It's sweet, right? No, but it is like it is, it is hard as like an adult male who has a kid. And, you know, a career and a wife and everything, too. You've just earned poor number three. <laughs> to make time for social stuff. And I think it's great that we get to hang out into our adulthood, you know, Steve? Yeah. We used to do bands together and hang out and have parties and stuff. And this is a different time in our life I've been life getting now. that itch again. I don't have time. To party? No. To, to, oh, to, to be in a so band? To be in a band. I don't have time. I've, I've been thinking to, about home recording stuff. I have to like cut some big stuff out yeah. to, to find time to, uh, I play like one show every three months and I don't know how I do it. <laughs> but, uh, really? The reality of what we need to do is we need to put together a praise and worship super group. Oh my God. And stop playing for our churches and just become like a hired band. Yeah. Ryan, the problem is, is if we put together a praise and worship super group, none of us will be in neither it. Neither of us would be in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the truth. Who's gonna sing in our praise and worship supergroup? <laughs> Not me. I we we know enough people. We could we could gather talent together and make something happen. But if we got people who are too talented, they'll definitely kick us yeah. out of the band. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan, we're in San Diego. There's already a praise and worship supergroup. His name is Phil Wickham. Oh man, I haven't heard anything about him for a while, but. I don't actually like go seeking out information about praise and worship. People. Philip! So this kind of, this topic went off the rails. It was a bit, little bit, you know, like patting ourselves on the back and talking about ourselves, but who cares? We almost done 200 episodes of a podcast that realistically barely makes us any money. It doesn't pay us for our time. It's like put some, you know, fun money in our pockets every now and then. And it's, it's worth it to reflect every now and then. We're sure. getting up close to That's 200. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think the the fastest way to find out about other podcasts that are similar to ours is to join the Facebook group. Uh, jump on Facebook. Search for 60 Cycle Hum. Uh, you're looking for the group, not the page. Jump in and just be like, hey, uh, so what other podcasts do you guys recommend that are similar to 60 Cycle Hum? Yeah, why not? Uh, do we want to hit this last ad? Maybe, huh? It's, it's, should we like debate whether or not we're going to do one more ad? Yeah, let's do this ad. Um, this ad is... Uh, um, it's for I, the Spice Pedal by Honda, I think. Yeah, this was it? sent by... Brent, Honda Soundworks. Brenton Selassie, Selassie uh, posted this. Uh, it's by Honda Soundworks. It's called the Spice Guitar Effects Pedal. It's all for sale for $260 on eBay. It um, sounds so fancy when you pronounce it like that. Well, I'm a fancy eBay. guy. I'm drinking scotch. Uh, so that's how you know I'm fancy. I'm wearing a flannel. Oh, fancy pants over here, Steve. I'm surprised you'll even share the room with me. Dude, You're so this, fancy. This flannel, it's, it's from Quicksilver. <laughs> That is fancy. And, oh my goodness, uh, a name brand. I couldn't I, tell you what brand my flannels are. I just fetched them out of the garbage, I've Steve. owned a few flannels. I've been thinking lately that I need to go find... I, this was gifted to me, uh -huh. like Christmas or whatever, and I, I've been thinking like... Yeah, you're right. It's a brand. So I don't like spending money on anything Yeah, except gear. Yeah. You love spending money on gear. So much money. No, I, barely, I mean, I'm no. I spend money on food, and that's a, and and booze, and that's about it. Yeah, um, and mostly food. Yeah, very little booze. Burritos. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Beavis. <laughs> uh, but I've been actually thinking lately, like I need to go hunt down more of these flannels, even though I've had this for like three or four years. In the last, like since it's, since the weather's turned cool enough to start breaking out flannels. Uh huh. 
I've been thinking like, man, like I need to stock up on these because I think in previous uh, fall winters, um, I have worn this like two or three times a week. Yeah. And I need some color variety. And I also, I think people catch on. I stocked up on like, uh, it's like the light. Yeah. It's like the light flannel. I yeah. stocked up on those at Costco a couple of years ago, but I kind of like, they have shrunk up, I think, or I outgrew them, but I've actually been getting skinnier over the years. So I think they shrunk up on me. They're like the sleeves are too short and the body, the, like the torso is too short on me. I need to invest right. in some new flannels. The soon. other, the other, those light flannels are like, they're just right for San Diego in the winter. Yeah. They're just light yeah. enough to like give you a little bit of warmth, but they breathe a little this bit. This one's on the heavier side of light, but I still really like it. Yeah. It's not quite heavy enough How to be like a How did we get mid. on this topic? Why are we doing this? Um, what is this? Steve, what does this have to do with guitars? I'm not really sure. <sighs> so you, we started pedal, talking so about a pedal, and then you... What did you just do, Steve? How did we end up here? Like, rewind the tape. You're going to have to listen back to this episode. What mind trick did you just pull? Have we been uh, talking about flannels all night? I hope so. <laughs> This is a Honda Soundworks Spice guitar effects pedal. It's two hundred sixty dollars. It's on a bay. Oh, it's probably because you said I sounded said something fancy. Oh yeah, a bay. It's on a bay. Um, I was reading about these, and I this is the dumbest thing. They're a classic troll pedal. It's not a troll. I think no. it's real. You think it's real? It can't be a real. Um, so basically, this was a um, at least the pitch on these. Maybe it's a troll. Oh God. Okay, well, put the pitch on me. But I want to hear the pitch. The pitch on these was that um, basically, so what this pedal is, the, the picture is an, an open case, and inside there are two jacks that are just connected to each other. But I did a little reading, and basically what... The, Tell me about the crystal the lettuce. And, and maybe... <laughs> The cactus lettuce? What? The, the, the crystal lettuce? The haunting mids? What does it have? Uh, apparently, the wires that connect these two jacks together are from like a vintage Neve console. No. So basically... Come the, on. So the idea, right? The idea... Again, I don't know if this was... Um. I don't know if this is real because this is like an older pedal and I just, I couldn't I just find that these much information. These things get pulled up every now and then on gear forums as a joke. But the, the pitch, the selling point on these was, you know, that the wires that are used to connect these two jacks were part of some vintage console from like the classic era of rock and roll. So if you want that classic era of, you know, you want to nail that tone on Led Zeppelin four that was recorded on this classic console. You got to get this pedal that you're you know, not going to get it without three inches of wire. It's not dude, three inches. Yeah. I'm saying three inches cut in half. Right. Right. It's one and a half inches on the lead and one and a half inches on the ground. Exactly. You don't really even need that ground. You could ground to the case. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that was a real thing. But I can tell you that that was a pitch. Oh, it's so ridiculous. And it's $260, two views per hour. That's impressive. But yeah, it's just a big old joke. There's no way anyone actually buys these. Apparently, this was like a like a pretty... Like, I guess this was like a fairly legendary thing. I'd never heard of it hey, you know, if you If you really want to get the tone that, uh, that the Beatles had on Abbey Road... You know, you got to go to the studio and you got to take the electrical wire out of the walls and use that for your power cable because you're just not going to get that tone without using the same exact like copper wire that you was used to route the power around the building. Right, right, right. You want that Hendrix tone? You need three inches of of wire out of a Hendrix coily cable. Actually, you know, if you want that tone, you really want that legit like Woodstock tone. And I'm talking the tone everyone had at Woodstock. You got to track down the same generator they were using to power the PA at Woodstock. And you got to get the same leaded gas they were using or you're just not going to get that tone. Come on. Ridiculous. 
Can you even get leaded gas anywhere? No, it makes people crazy. That's where all the serial killer killers came from. Have you ever? Have you ever? Asked, you've seen that graph, yeah? Yeah, probably the the decline in the decline in cr- like crime, crime rates. Yeah, no, I totally, yeah. I totally believe it. Like, I, I know that like correlation isn't causation, but lead legitimately makes people go crazy. I don't and, think it makes them go crazy. It just makes them stupid. And it, like, it was in all the gas, and you had this huge crime wave that coincided with it, with like the use of this gas in, in the cities. Like you had he, these huge crime waves that took place in the cities where people were locked into smog all day long. I don't know. I I I I don't have problems with that theory. I think it's a sound theory. Uh, I want to cover one more ad. Just quickly before we get out of here. All right, I gotta write this down. It's not on my notes. I want to talk about this snake guitar that Bruce Kumquat sent. We've seen snake guitars before. This isn't the ugliest snake guitar I've ever seen, but it's not really cool or interesting. The thing about it that's wild is that it's sold. It's listed as sold. What? For $125 on, on Facebook. Someone bought this snake guitar. Go look at a picture of it in our show notes. Someone bought this with their money. And was like, oh, I know. I'll buy that snake guitar. That's a good idea for my snake-themed band. You know band. what, though, man? As, you know, as far as snake guitar goes... It's this not is, the worst. This is one of the better-looking ones, I think, that we've seen. It's not the worst. Why People you- are not going to know it's a snake guitar until they're right up on it, though. It's a little subtle. They're just going to think it's a weird shape. Is it? I think it's. I think it looks just like a king cobra. It does. A, it, you are definitely getting the variety of snake from this thing. It's got scales. Yeah. <laughs> That's the criteria Steve looks for in animals before deciding if it's a snake or not. Hmm. It's long and it doesn't have legs and it's crawling around on the ground. But is it a snake? Let's look at that skin. Let's get up on it. Hmm. It looks like scales to me. I think this might be a snake. On a scale of snake to tube rat. (laughs) On a scale of snakes to not snakes, snakes have scales. (laughs) There's so many other things that have scales too, Steve, like justice. Uh, All right. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, the Nocturne Brain, makers of the Mystery out. Brain. They make pedals that are just tone monsters. Like lots of other pedals are just buried in features. You know, all sorts of like MIDI controls and who cares digital things inside of them making the computer sounds. These are just honest to goodness, like well designed tone monster analog pedals. Maybe it's some like I think the, the delay has a digital component to it, but they just sound incredible. They nail the tone of what they're trying to nail. Like I said, I've been using the Fez for a long time now. It's all over my recordings for my band. I'm a big fan of everything they do. Go check them out. Also, big thanks to Sinusoid. Sinusoid.com. They make cables. And smiles. Keep an eye on their socials for that Black Friday fun stuff. It's coming up real quick. All right. This uh, this song is sent to us by um, Nick in Asheville. He's in a band called Ouroboros I was Boys. wondering which Nick it was, but when he said Nick in Asheville, he's in Asheville? Yeah. I knew exactly which Nick he was. Did you really? About. No. Okay, so he's in a band called Ouroboros Boys. He says they play that reverb, blade, and weirdo surf intro. Cool. That draws from everything from Santo and Johnny to Hawkwind. Oh, you know what? I I I rarely do this, but I saw that description in the email header. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got to check this out. And I actually listened to the song. It's really freaking cool. Uh, so here's the fun thing. Uh, he says that uh, if you like it and feel like sharing it on your podcast, please do. Here's a link to the Bandcamp page. In a video we did a while back. So um, I believe the song we were linked to is called Bikini Atoll. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anything else is available on their band camp. So I'm going to say, Ryan, you're you know, dealer's choice on this if there's anything else. Otherwise, you will be hearing the song Bikini Atoll from Ouroboros Boys. I was really interested in it. Uh, actually, he commented on our Facebook page asking about uh, w- surf rock, uh, which one of us was in a surf rock band. I said, oh, Ryan's in a band called Dino Ghost. Back and forth. And he's like, oh, I'm in this crazy, like, you know, 
whatever mandolin meets. Yeah, that was whatever. the crazy thing about it. It's like there's mandolin in this surf rock band, and it totally works. Yeah, and I was just like, sure, man, that sounds great. Send us, send us something we can play. Send us some info. Uh, so if you want to get your song on the show, we only have two left. Uh, 60 cycle humcast at gmail.com. Maybe you submitted before. That's cool. Submit again. Yeah, do it a again. different song. Yeah, different song, guys. So if it was the same song, we wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah, we probably wouldn't catch it at all. And don't even think you're trying to pull a fast one on us because we don't care. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. Later, guys. Out here on the tiny isle, the bomb